Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. Our guest today is Kristen Kaufman, leadership consultant and author of the trilogy, Is This Seat Taken?, which is something that we're going to dive into today. I'm very excited about it. We're all going to also talk about something called alignment, alignment for ourselves, alignment for our business. It's such a great and powerful word, and that's the name of her company. So I'm excited to talk to her more about that. And so with that, let's welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Kristen Kaufman. Thanks, Brian. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm I'm excited to have you. So I I looked into your background, did a little bit of research, looked at you had an incredible corporate career before you started alignment. And now you're an author, which I'm jealous of. I've I've co-authored one book in my life, and everybody says you have a book inside your head, right? Every everyone has a book inside their head. Mine's just waiting to come out. But you've now written three books, right? I have. I have. I'm working on my fourth. Yes. Mm-hmm. God, see, all right. All right. We're going to have a separate conversation. You're going to tell me how to get off the schneid and, and write, <laughs> and write <laughs> okay, my fourth right. book. Okay. So you had, like I said, an amazing corporate career. And now you help executives and businesses get aligned in their business, right? So, so how? tell me how you started alignment, because that's always... Uh, a big question that our listeners have, because we get a lot of them who are just starting out, a lot of them are in business. But how did you start alignment and uh, and how did you make that transition from corporate America to to being a, a top leadership consultant? Right. Well, you know, I think most of our journeys are all autobiographical, of course, out of necessity comes invention. And, you know, I was been in corporate to your point, Brian, for gosh, well over 25, almost 30 years in the tech business. I loved it um, up until the time I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. And I think sometimes people just lose the plot, you know, and I was one of those, you know, I think um, you get to a place in your career oftentimes where it's just no longer working for you. In fact, the definition I have for alignment is when you love what you do, you're good at it. Most importantly, it's tied to something greater than yourself. And when any one of those legs of the stool are wobbly, then in all likelihood, your career, the place where you find yourself is also wobbly. And so for me, I just woke up one day, you'll probably, some of your listeners may get this, in the Sofitel Hotel <laughs> in mm-hmm. Mini Tonka, which is a place um, where a dusting of snow is eight inches, as I like to say, from a girl from the South. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what in the world am I doing? It was no longer working for me. You know, yeah. I, I Clearly, I I used to love what I did, but I was no longer loving it anymore. I was still good at it, but most importantly, it wasn't tied to something bigger than just the almighty position that I was in. And that is the recipe for burnout. And Mm. I think I was just really burned out. So I made the decision to leave corporate and do what my father always said never to do, and that is to leave a job without having another. And I did it. Didn't have a clue what I was going to be doing. And a year later, it took me a year to kind of get my head around what I wanted to do. And that's when I started alignment. So it really came out of my own experiences, to be honest. I was out of alignment. (laughs) So it it, it fed into what I'm doing now. Well, physician heal thyself, right? Yes, 100%. Yep. What year was that? That was in 2004. Okay. So 2004, you're in the, the Sofitel Hotel. Right. Yes. And yes. and tell me, tell me again that definition of alignment, because I loved how you said it. 
Yes. It's when you love what you do. Right. You're good at it. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, it's tied to something greater than yourself. Because think about it. You know, when when somebody's not good at something, frankly, they're probably not going to love it. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and if they love it and they're not good at it, frankly, they're probably not going to last long. And and in that field, but really, I think the crux of it is when it's tied to something bigger than you. You know, so many people that I work with now, um, they may be great at it. They may be they may love it, but somehow it's not tied to something bigger than just the paycheck, the job scope, the title. It's not tied to a passion. It's not tied to a purpose. Frankly, they they get burned out and they they lose the plot. And so that's, that's, I think to me of the three, that's one of the most pivotal ones. I think of, and it's, I love the way you described it because it's, to me, that is the mind, body, spirit alignment. 100%. And, and we always think of that being in balance. I've come to realize really only in the last dozen years that, Spirit in your world, in your definition, would be doing something greater than what was the expression that you said? Something having, 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 yes, having it tied to something greater than yourself. That's the spirit, right? Because the body is simply a vessel, right? We tell a body to run five miles, it'll run five miles. We tell a body to go, you know, pick that up and put it over there, the body will do it. The body listens. The mind. Everybody thinks like the mind is beginning and the end, but the mind is actually, somebody once said, the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Interesting. And and that's when the mind becomes your enemy. And the mind will tell you things that you don't want to do. And and it's like, that's the mind can take something you love and turn it into something you hate. Yes. Well, and you know, it's interesting, Brian, and you you probably will relate to this. When I look at the people in my life that I've admired the most and the ones that are most successful, and I don't mean just monetarily or Mm -hmm. scope of work or scope of position, just successful, meaning um, just fulfilled, right? They're the ones who are loving what they're doing. Yeah, They're good at it, but more importantly, it's tied to a cause. It's tied to a purpose it's caused it's tied to a passion it's 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 that renewable energy i call it the renewable energy i love that i love that um and and this i feel like so i had a career in corporate america and i left it and i started my own business and and really for the same thing i I realized that i couldn't work for anybody else (laughs) but um it, it it was that it allowed me just to fulfill my my what I thought was my own destiny. So, right. um, but I, I I love that that alignment. So, in two thousand four, you leave corporate America and, Sorry, and I, I left twice. Okay, okay. So, so in two thousand four, I left and I went to New York City to work with Mayor Bloomberg. Um, to oh, build out right. the Leadership Academy, right? right? Which was a, it was the fulcrum on which he ran, um, mm-hmm. obviously for mayor, uh, with education reform being being the primary focus. And there were a couple of us out of corporate that were asked to to help build out the Leadership Academy. So I went up there in 2004 to build out the Leadership Academy. Now, make a long story short, Brian, and we don't have to get into all this, but I had been sick and um, I needed health insurance because it was big. It was a big bad sick. Right. Yeah. And this was long before Obamacare. 
mm-hmm. long before any of the of the insurance reform, which, by the way, is still somewhat in need of either even further reform. But at the time, <laughs> you know, I was paying sixteen hundred dollars a month in health insurance. Yeah. So yeah. it came to the point where I needed to I needed, in quotes, to go back into corporate to get health insurance. And ironically, the very company that would not insure me hired me to be a group vice president. And I joined that firm for, and I was thought I'd just died and gone to heaven because I was only paying $59 a month for healthcare. Wow. <laughs> and wow. I realized, and I, so I went there, that was the last corporate stint I had. And it was, have you ever been in a job? And I, I think I know the answer to this, where you wake up and you go, what was I thinking? And I think I had that epiphany two weeks into that job where mm-hmm. I was intoxicated by the health insurance proposition, but it was a terrible fit for me culturally. So I lasted three years and then I left for good. Then I left for good. So I wanted to make sure you had that context because I think a lot of times people think, how did she, how was she able to leave and, you know, build a business and la, la, la. Well, you know, as I said, necessity, um, out of necessity comes invention. And so. So so then you started your company in 2008. 2007. And actually, the irony of it is, is that I'd already kind of formulated it when I went to New York and had not pulled the plug, so to speak, or flipped the switch, whatever metaphor you want to use. And then I and then I did. And I've never looked back. You know, it's interesting. I think I was an entrepreneur in corporate. You know, in fact, I know I was an entrepreneur in the corporate setting. That was why I was so successful in corporate is that I I definitely colored outside the lines. And, um, you know, and now I'm just doing it as you say, working for myself, which is awesome, you know? So in, in 2007, you started and you, and you called it alignment. Was that, I how, did. Did come, how did you come up with that name? Yeah. You know, again, I was out of alignment. Yeah. I mean, those, that was what I, I would use that term in describing myself. And so I thought, you know what, I want to help people find alignment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ironically now more than ever, Brian, that word is um, I think very mainstream somewhat in corporate America and even global, global corporate. But at the time when I bought it, it was from a automotive alignment company, <laughs> you know, it was like, and when I would tell people the name of my company, they would say, are you a chiropractor? Uh, do you have an automotive wow. company? Wow. Because they they never associated alignment with, to use your term, mind, body, spirit alignment, yeah. you know, alignment within yourself, alignment with collections of individuals, alignment with a system or an organization. They were thinking about it, you know, in a wheel axle or a body part. <laughs> wow. Like your chakras, yeah, the chakras. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and of course, I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a Reiki master and I do believe in chakra alignment. But yeah. that's you know, but that's all part and parcel of how we contribute in the world, right? It's not the only thing. It's actually a, a fantastic word. When you think about what you do, you think about balance, you think about harmony, you think about, you know, I, I did a, a some running, you know, many years ago. And when I, when I uh, went to get my sneakers, I, I had to run <clears throat> on a treadmill and they talked about you. I'm a lefty. And he said, you, you run out of alignment. You know, that said 65 percent of your weight is carried on your left side. Thirty five percent is carried on your right side. He goes, that's why your sneakers wear out the way they do. You have to you have to physically think about, you know, leaning more towards your right to be more in balance. Yes. He he called it alignment. And he said, you know, without it, you'll break down a lot faster. Yes. And that's true in every aspect of your life. 
So, so you, you created this company alignment based on your knowledge and your experience and your wisdom from corporate America. What did you see in, 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 in corporations that was missing, that was out of alignment that you said, okay, I can, I can fix this in them in any, any company or any individual. Yeah. So it's obviously there's a different answer depending upon the company. But but what I'll say first, I'll start off first with being out of alignment with the individual, because there was a wonderful quote, Brian, by um, Jeff Immelt, who was the chairman of GE. Leadership begins with the constituency of one. Mm. Leadership begins with the constituency of one. So you have to start with yourself first and you have to get people in alignment with their job, with how they want to contribute, with how they're showing up. And how many people have been on my teams in in the past where they were in the wrong job, right? They were super talented. They were super smart, but they were being deployed in the wrong way. So that meant they were out of alignment. Okay, that's one piece. The other piece is I see culturally, Mm -hmm. you know, people join a company and they're just chemistry wise and culturally they're a bad fit. That happened to me. The last position I chose, I was completely out of alignment with the culture. Which, by the way, that dog doesn't hunt because if you're not the chairman <laughs> or the CEO, you're not going to be able to change that culture. You are not. Mm. So, therefore, you have to make the decision to, you know, jettison out of that and to get into a place where you are in alignment. In my case, it was me becoming an entrepreneur. Right. So that's another piece is the cultural piece of companies and systems within the companies being culturally misaligned. Mm-hmm. Um I also have found with many teams and many companies that you have competing factions internally. You know, um, in technology, it's the good old sales and marketing or product management and engineering. You know, they, 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 they butt heads. Yeah. So they're out of alignment. So you have to get above the front, get up in the balcony so you can look out and set the vision, find commonality so that they'll get an alignment around the ultimate end game. So, I mean, there are lots of ways that this can manifest, but the common denominator, whether it be self, team, or organization, is that they were out of alignment. Does does that make sense? Yeah, I'm thinking your phone is ringing off the hook these days, because when you think about everything that happened with the pandemic, right, and then everything got flipped upside down, the entire economy, the entire world was out of alignment, We've yes. got remote, we've got hybrid, we've got people leaving, people, the great, you know, the quiet quitting, the great resignation, all of these things, company cultures that were once solid are now on, on weakened ground. I mean, I started a company called Bricks or Sticks simply to look at small businesses and say, well, which ones were made out of hay, which ones were made out of sticks, which ones were made out of bricks. And the pandemic was the big bad wolf. and oh. and. Yeah. And we noticed great, great analogy. Love that story. Love that. Well, now you take your alignment concept and and you look at it and you say, right, some companies might need there are so many areas, it looks like, in companies where you could be out of alignment to your point. So yes. what did you notice really since 2020? Like where where were good companies suddenly becoming um companies that needed help, like with the alignment? Yeah, well, okay. Interestingly enough, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, people immediately began to think that um, remote working, meaning people working out of their homes, was to use your term, the big bad wolf. Oh my gosh, 
You know, we're, we don't have a way to foster cultural alignment. We don't have, and that's just crazy. I mean, it, it is not, a, so that's number one. I think yeah. sometimes we misdirected that we over-rotated to use my term yeah. from the pandemic thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we all need to come back into the office. We all need to be standing around the water cooler to create alignment. And that's just not necessary. Yes, it does certainly help to have, I call it pressing the flesh meetings. I think that's important, but that is not the panacea. It's just simply not the panacea. I think companies need to get back in touch with their employees. And I think, frankly, the pandemic kind of forced them to do that because mm. people forgot that people are people. And by the way, people are the greatest asset any company has, bar none, way more than brick and mortar. So you have to tap into what does the individual employee need? What do they want? How do they want to contribute? What are we going to measure? How are we going to reward them compensation-wise? It's all tied together. And I think oftentimes, especially in the pandemic, people got sideways with that whole perspective. They, you know, they just, they just, we'd never been there before, frankly. We'd never experienced that before as, as companies. We'd yeah. never not been able to go into work. We'd yeah. never been sequestered to our home. Zoom, my gosh. I mean, don't you wish you had stock in that, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, all, yeah. all of a sudden, new new channels were opened up and emphasized because of the, the need that businesses had to foster alignment, foster communication, but not do so around the water cooler anymore. I mean, yeah. that water cooler metaphor doesn't even work anymore for the... Gen Z's and Gen, they don't even know what we're talking about when we talk about a water cooler. Yeah, it's true. You know true. what I mean? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and it's interesting. So I, I'd love to hear that, you know, if, if you had clients that were, you know, pre-pandemic and now post-pandemic, you know, what did, what did it look like, you know, when, when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden did they call you up and they say, Kristen, we're out of alignment. Like we, we, something, some, I don't know what I can't like a good leader will at least recognize when something is wrong. They may not know how to fix it, but in, in, instead of throwing good money after bad or, or, or trying to put, you know, a, a bandaid on something that requires major surgery, did, did some, did people call you and say, Hey, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Yes, they did. They did. And Interestingly enough, most of the leaders were smart enough to know that it was that it was down to the individual. Mm. It was not a systemic, oh my gosh, let's have some big alignment conference. I mean, it was yeah. more like let's have deep dive conversations or you know, coaching conversations, consulting conversations with the key leaders. Yeah. Have deep dive conversations. What are they facing? Most of the time, what those leaders were facing, Brian, was that they had lost touch with their employees. Mm. That that was really what they had lost. Because as I said, everyone was working in their homes. You know, they were trying to have these meaningful conversations on Zoom, but it wasn't the same because they weren't, they were out of practice, quite frankly. We had never done that before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we so they were out of alignment with their people. They'd lost touch with what their people needed. Um, they wanted to foster a cultural allegiance, a cultural camaraderie, um, you know, and do so in many cases remotely or, mm. you know, sometimes sporadically they could meet in person, but most of the time it was remotely. Um, so that's how, that's how it fostered. They would call me up and they would say, I'm losing my team. I'm losing touch with my people. 
um, that's that's where it started. And by the way, it was not like I say some system wide alignment conference that we had. It was no, it was it all starts with the one person having yeah. a deep conversation. You know, most people, honestly, Brian, they just want to be seen and heard. Yeah. You know, and once they're seen and heard, they trust their leaders to do something with that information and that knowledge. But, you know, um, it was hard to keep those communication lines open during the pandemic. You know, think about everybody was scared to death and fear is a fear can either be a paralyzer or a catalyst. And in many of my clients, it was a paralyzer. So we had to we had to turn that over and turn it into a catalyst on improving communication and focus on individuals and you know, alignment around a common vision and making sure it, 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 the, the thousand points of light all pointed in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Did that make sense? Am I losing? Totally. Totally. You actually have introduced a new view for me of business pre pandemic, pandemic, post pandemic, that this out of alignment kind of uh, analogy really uh, is is getting me to think about about business and about you know sometimes you need like sometimes you need a little something a little pivot and sometimes you need a major overhaul you know you, it, it's it's the alignment is the idea of getting back to where things are moving in harmony we're all rowing in the same direction right i think 100%. about i think of a a, a a crew team right right that's i was just going there yep mm-hmm. in in the water and you might have an eight person boat and if one person is out of alignment you don't need to you don't need all eight people to reinvent themselves or stop and it's that we you look at that one person you say get back in alignment with the rest of the team. Right. And, you know, Brian, I don't know, um, again, many of your listeners and possibly even some of your guests could relate to this, but I've actually had more experience, I would say, since the pandemic in coaching senior level executives. So I'm, I'm at the C-suite level is typically who I work with, who want to exit. You know, they had these epiphanies, right? Back yeah. in the they're like, oh my gosh, life is short, life is tentative, oh my gosh. And of course, they were working for, Again, money and power, mm-hmm. but it was not tied to something greater than themselves. Right, right. back, to that, right. back yeah. to that definition. So I have coached, I would say, at least a dozen senior level executives out of their big jobs into something more meaningful, more fulfilling. Wow. And which is which is unbelievable, really, because frankly, pre-pandemic, most people would be working to accumulate wealth and power and status until yeah. the cows come home. But the pandemic shook us by our shoulders. It really did. It shook us by our shoulders. And I think a lot of these senior level executives were like, you know what? Life's too short. I want to I want to jettison out. Can you help me? Yeah, of course I can. I bet you get a lot of holiday cards from them. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yes, you. They're, they're traveling the world. You know, they're yeah. spending time with their grandchildren. Yeah. You know, and it always comes down to, you know, how much is enough? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to pivot slightly because pivot. one of the yeah. reasons I really wanted to talk to you is because you're an author and you have a trilogy of books out right now, right? And tell me about the books. Tell me about how you got the title of this book. Okay. All right. So interesting. I always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you go back, just like you said, you did. If you, if you go back to my childhood, my dream was to become a National Geographic um reporter and photojournalist. Yeah. Which is so funny because ultimately looking forward, 
I am a global traveler. I am a photo photo journalist and a writer, but I'm not with the National Geographic. But what was so interesting is that I wanted to write a book. And originally, I thought I wanted to write it on alignment. Okay. So my publisher said, um, you know, this is a great title. I mean, it's a great topic. Go for it. And I began to write that book on alignment, Brian, and I was bored out of my mind. And Mm. I thought, oh, my gosh, if I'm bored writing this book, no one's going to want to read this book. So I went back to my publisher and said, I have an idea for a book that I've always wanted to write. I want to write about the random encounters that have changed my life. The people that I've met traveling the world in the grocery store line at the post office, you know, in seat 5E on an American Airlines flight. I want to write about these people that crossed my path and how they impacted my life. And they're like, ooh, that sounds great. Why don't you send us a couple of stories and tell us and we'll let you know if we think it's you know worthy. So I did. And they loved them. And so that's how the first book came out. It was Is the Seat Taken, which, by the way, that title the person who gets the credit for that is my attorney because we were talking about what we were going to name the book. And it came actually from anybody who's ever flown in a cattle car, Southwest Airlines, people that get on the plane, they always are saying, is this seat taken? And I'm like, okay, that's the title. And seat, of course, is metaphor. It's not Uh just the physical seat, seat being seat. Yeah. And, And so that's how the first book came to be. It was a collection of stories of people that randomly crossed my path and the impact that they had on me. So there's a title, for example, there's a a title of one of the stories is called Mr. Fancy Pants. And it's about, you know, a highfalutin executive in the Admiral's Club in LaGuardia who thought that he was all of that in a bag of chips. And there's a story about him that everybody who has ever been in an Admiral's Club or even perhaps has been in that position, maybe he was he or she was Mr. Fancy Pants, will relate to that story. But mm-hmm. it's it's it was th- that that first book was a bestseller. And I think it's because people resonated with these random encounters that ultimately do change our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Do you keep in touch with any of the people that you wrote about in the story? Some of them I I did I did <laughs> many of them I don't even know their names, right? Wow. Okay. I'm like I'm like the the observer from afar scribbling yeah. down. In fact, yes, I'll just leave it there because I mean, yeah. I changed all the names because, you know, I didn't want, I wanted to protect the guilty and the innocent for that matter. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that, all right. So is this seat taken random encounters uh, that, that changed have changed your, your life. life? That was your first book. That was the first one. Uh-huh. And I love that. I, you, so you're a great storyteller. And when did that book come out? That came out in 2011. Wow. Wow. So that's only a couple of years after you started your company. All right. Yes. Now the second book. Is this seat taken? taken. It's never too late to find the right seat. And that book came out because many of my clients had, again, lost the plot. Mm -hmm. They thought, oh, my gosh, I'm long in the tooth. It's too late for me to build a life I really want to build. You know, my ship is never going to come in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in a rut of whatever industry they're in. And I made the decision that I wanted to research people who late in life created the life that we know them for. Mm-hmm. I mean, many of these people are famous. Some of them are, are what I would call anonymous sort of folks. Yeah. Um, but all of them, all of them were over the age of 55 or 60 before they hit, you know, pay dirt, so to speak. I Is mean, Colonel Sanders I, in there? Sorry. 
Colonel Sanders, Kentucky. Colonel Fried Sanders Chicken. is in there. Um, yeah. uh, Grandma Moses, Diana yeah. Nightad. I mean, they're there. And, and by the way, what I found fascinating about researching that book, there were commonalities of people mm. that were late in life and how they the, the truisms that that came about through researching these people. One of them, ironically, Brian, was every single person that got their second chance or third chance or in some cases fifth or sixth chance at late in life, it all came about through a random encounter. So it was very providential wow. that I would have written the first book with that in mind, not mm-hmm. ever thinking that the second book was going to actually support the concept of the first book, which was fascinating. I love that. TSL, it reminds me of the T.S. Eliot quote. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Oh, I love that quote. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. And you wrote that book in 2015? Yes. And okay. I think it's right. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. All right. And, and then the last book is, is the seat taken? No, I saved it for you. Oh. And and that collection of, they're all collections of stories, by the way. When mm. people ask me what kind of books these are, I just say they're storybooks because they're all storybooks. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last one is extremely vulnerable, Brian. I mean, I, in fact, my sister um, said, are you sure you want to publish this? <laughs> because I sort of go there. I, I yeah. open up my kimono, my proverbial kimono, uh-huh. and I, I share very intimate stories, um, both positive as well as constructive about yeah. lessons that I've learned uh, because of the seat that I found myself in. Wow. Wow. And when th- this book came out? This came, book came out in, let's see, is it 2023? It came out in 2019. Okay. I think it's 2019. Right. So you have a fourth book that's coming out. It's got, right? You're, you're, you're due. I, I am. I'm, I'm way overdue. I really should be getting one out every year, but I just don't, my brain doesn't work that way. I have to kind of noodle on things. So. I love, I love the titles though are so great. No, I saved it for you. Well, and I'll tell you, the fourth one is not going to be in this, um, in this, in this, is this seat genre. Although my mother, before she died, said she wanted me to write a fourth book and she wanted it to be, is the seat taken? Yes. <laughs> and she was, and I may still do that because when I say that, I, the reaction is just like everyone laughs and says, "Yes, it's about boundaries." You know, it's yeah, about yeah. you know, it's about how to say no. You know, wow. there's a lot of there's a lot of there could be a lot of wisdom in those stories because you know all of us have probably gotten better as we've gotten older on how to say no. That's your book right there. That that was oh yeah yeah. Well, I, I mean, the cool yeah. thing is I do own and that I own these titles. So, the you know, the book I'm working on, though, Brian, is a book on legacy. And um, I don't really have a title for it, but I, I just think those of us who are um, in the second half of life, and let's face it, anybody over the age of 35 is is nearing their the second half of life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people, probably even more so since the pandemic, and certainly more so as we get older, we are focused on what kind of legacy do I want to yeah. leave? And I'm not talking about money. That's not what no. I'm talking about. Greatness is not what you take, but it's what you leave behind. Yeah, I love that. Yes. And I think everyone's definition of legacy is different. And I just think there's a lot, lot of richness in that topic right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would read it. I, I mean, I, I love the stories that you tell. I love the, I love the, 
the lens that you use to look at the world. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. So you you you've had actually a very wonderful career. So you you've had the experience of of leadership at at a you know corporate level, right? Where you've yes. run multi billion dollar divisions of of companies. That's uh, correct. You 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 branched out on your own, which is really, you know, uh, uh, people don't realize how hard that is. You know that you've 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 gotten onto this ladder, you've climbed all of these rungs, and you're actually going to leave that to go to a startup, a startup. Right. Of one. But it was so liberating, wasn't it? Liberating. Yes, it it was. Yeah. It was, and you know, it's it's all of the things. You're right. I mean, you get, you leave the Ferris wheel to get on the roller coaster. Yes. Yes. And. And you stayed on the roller coaster. I mean, you did. You, you went. Back. It's funny. You and I have had very similar careers. I left corporate America, started my own publishing company, got bowled over by the recession, went back into corporate America for about 18 months, left, and I've never looked back. Me too. And I use the analogy. I went from hamster wheel to Ferris wheel. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. we were, we were yeah. all on the hamster wheel, right? And we were just running really fast, making all this money for everyone, including ourselves. We, we had, yeah. I had a great living, but it was no longer, it, I was out of alignment. It's no longer fulfilling yeah. for me, you know? Now, the, I have a lot of friends who are in corporate America who love what they do. So what it comes down to is going back to your alignment theory and model is that, you you know, people who are in corporate America, who are very successful and who love what they do and who are doing something, who have found a way to do something that's greater than themselves, maybe through a foundational arm or a philanthropic arm, right? They're able to, to um, satisfy that part of their lives. So yes. I don't, I don't want to make corporate America, the, the demon. No, it's not at all. I mean, in fact, frankly, I coach people in corporate America to find alignment. And like, for example, there are so many people in corporate to your point that love what they do, the Mm -hmm. tie to something greater than themselves. You know what I've found many of these leaders have have, what they channel into is helping other people reach their potential, which is exactly what I'm doing, except entrepreneurial. But that's what I did in corporate. Yeah. The only reason yeah. why I was successful in corporate was because my focus was always on the people. That was what made me successful. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that, that was looking back on it retrospectively, Brian, I look at that and say, you know, that was the something greater than myself. It was the people helping them reach their potential. And by the way, and sometimes that meant not in the current job. It might mean them leaving the job. So. So let's do this. Let's because we're kind of getting into the home stretch. I'd love to um, give some takeaways to our listeners, which they always love. What what are what are some of the biggest um, challenges that you see today with people who are out of alignment? Where where are they? I guess, what are the points of alignment that we should be looking at? Like when you say mind, body, spirit, or, you know, you go in and you, you, you align a car and you're like, okay, your axle is broken or this. So what are the alignment points in a person's life? So, okay. So uh, let me, let me, let me back up. I think when people think about alignment and like where I would help or coach them to diagnose, if they feel like they're out of whack, yeah. the first thing is, um, listen to your inner voice. And that sounds so woo-woo. I'm sure many of your leader, your listeners are probably rolling their eyes, but 
intuition never, ever, ever lies, ever. Right. Our intuition. So if you have a little gnawing in your in your head, listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, every single time I have found myself um, swinging to the left when I should have been swinging to the right, it's because I didn't listen to the inner voice. I remember when I took the last position, I had, I, gosh, that just seems too good to be true. Well, you know what it was? Yeah. It was a bad fit for me. So that's the first thing. Listen to your inner voice, you know, sit and be still. And your intuition, if you allow it to, to bubble up, it will bubble up. And resist the urge to squash it, which yeah. oftentimes we do. Just resist the urge to squash it and have the, the kahunas to lean into whatever it is that your intuition is encouraging you to lean into. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, the second thing, don't ever underestimate the random encounter, mm. ever. When people cross our paths or we cross another person's path or we experience something that appears random, I don't believe incidental encounters are incidental at all. Mm-hmm. I do not believe they are incidental at all. I truly yeah. believe that when those things happen to us, we're supposed to be paying attention to them. And uh, for a reason. I don't know. It'll be different for everyone. Right. I think that's yeah. that's another, I guess, tip that I would offer up. Um, listen to what makes your heart sing. When you're not happy, you're, you're probably not going to be that great at whatever it is you're doing. You yeah. just won't. You know, you're 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 when you're fulfilled. I mean, I can look, look, I can look at you, Brian, through this Zoom screen and I can tell you absolutely love what you do interviewing people on a podcast. Love it. You're like passionate mm-hmm. about it. Yes. It's from your pores. People can tell. Yeah. People can tell. Yeah. So I encourage people, figure out what it is that turns you on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and whatever it is that turns you on, even if you feel like it's basket weaving and how am I going to make a living doing that? Figure out, is there a way that I can take that basket weaving, you know, approach and monetize it or put it into something that that I, I'm still passionate about, but it maybe it just takes on a different form. I don't know. Is this making sense? Oh, totally. Total makes sense. So here's what, but you have to get off your phone first. Get off your oh, phone. Okay. Right? Yeah. So when that random encounter happens, you're not staring at your phone and, oh, yeah. and, and go take a walk. Like don't take a drive, take a walk. Yeah. Walk around you know, your neighborhood, but walk around in a, in a way that you normally wouldn't walk in. And just see, I I say to people, find five things that you never noticed before. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, in my last book, I actually have a what I call a a workbook is probably too formal of a name. But I have in the very last part of that book, the 10 things that I would suggest they do. You know, get to there's there's some assessments in there. Um, there's some, I call it, you know, embrace the woo-woo. You know, there's certain things that you know, your people will, that it gives you some tangible things to grab onto. And yes, being quiet, being still, taking a walk, being in nature, all of those things, Brian, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Because there's so much noise in the yeah. world today that it blocks out the sensibilities that are in our heart and soul because we just, we don't, we don't give them homage and we need to give them homage. And you don't realize you're out of alignment when, like, I think the, the visual that I always come up with is that your rear end is on fire, right? And and right. you don't know that it's on fire. You just know that you're not performing in business and in life 
the way you used to, but, right. but there's, and there's so much pain and you can't figure out where it's coming from. Right. And, and there's no right or wrong. You know, I think oftentimes in corporate and in business in general, not just corporate, small businesses as well, we get into this binary interpretation of the world. It's either mm-hmm. right or it's left, or if it's right or it's wrong. There is so much gray and there is so much color in this world. <laughs> yeah. And it's just not black and white. And so I think we have to give ourselves permission. There is more than one way to skin a cat. And um, the conventional way of navigating corporate or navigating a small business. There are lots of ways to do this. Portfolio entrepreneurship. There are lots of ways, lots of ways, you know? And when you're in alignment, everything, hap- it, 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 you run more efficiently, you're yes. more productive, you're happier. Yes. So somebody because said- Energy me, begets energy. Energy yes, begets energy. Yes. So when we put it out, we're going to get it back. But slow down to speed up, slow yeah. down, mm-hmm. take time to fix what is what is out of sync. And you'll go much further and you will be happier. That's the message that I'm getting from you. Yes, I think it is. I think. And by the way, the last thing I'll say about that alignment is not um, permanent, nor is it finite, because back in the day I was in alignment you know, in corporate until I wasn't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. I'm in alignment right now. I don't know. Is this forever? I don't know. Cause we change. Yeah. We evolve as human beings. We change. So to think that it's a one-stop shop or it's a one and done or whatever these analogies are. Is that it and forget it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just silly. I mean, we're going to continue to evolve and change. So we have to be open to shifting what we, what we call an aligned self, right? It, it may or may not be the same for, for a pe- long period of time. It certainly hasn't been for me in my life. I've shifted and reinvented myself multiple times. Re- reinvention is important. Yeah, we everybody goes through a reinvention at least yes. once or twice in their lives. That's yeah, a absolutely. major realignment, right? Yes. A, a, of when you leave a corporate America to go start your own company, right? When you, yes. when you move, when you talk about the, the major milestones in your life, when you move from New York to Texas or something, right? Or Hot Springs, Arkansas, my little hometown to yeah. Dallas. I mean, my yeah. goodness me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's being proactive about what you're saying is being proactive about looking at your life and saying, I may need an alignment, like a, a realignment of my values, my mission, my direction, my vision. They shift. Yeah. They shift. And so just be open to it and and you know resist the urge to be scared. I think, you know, people, ambiguity is always, most human beings are not happy or comfortable with ambiguity. <laughs> right. And so when we're out of alignment and we're not sure where we want to go, that is being ambiguous about our future. So my coaching is be be open to the possibility, be open to the opportunity, um, resist being scared, you know, choose, choose. Uh, there's that wonderful Marion Williamson, you know, choose love over fear. That may sound a little woo-woo for your people, but, you know, do choose that, choose that, and then yeah. see what kind of things open up. Yeah. My people love woo-woo, by the way. Okay. Well, good. Because. I am a woo-woo girl. Yeah, I'm a woo-woo guy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really, I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg today around the woo-woo stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I love all of it. Um, 
Okay, a couple of things. One, we're definitely going to have you back on because uh-huh. I love your message, your takeaways are fantastic. I'm sure that your clients must absolutely love you. Um, because, well, I love them. You know, it's yeah. very fulfilling when I get yeah. to, because you know what? I learn as much from my clients as they may learn from me, by the way. Yeah. It's a bi-directional school. Yeah. But they pay you, which is good. <laughs> we, uh, we, we do have to make a living. As long yeah. as we're on the earth plane, we do have to have the Maslow's hierarchy things taken care of. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So your books, uh, Is This Seat Taken? The Trilogy. Uh, I can find that probably on Amazon. On is is there audible versions of the book? You know that's on my list. Um, okay, I, I need to everyone because I think with my southern accent, I, maybe I need to drink a big old bottle of wine before I do it. So the southern accent will be really intense. But um, yeah, yeah, people want me to read them because there are a lot of southern euphemisms in there, and I think they'd be they translate really well. But you can yeah. find them on Amazon. You can also order them. On my website. So I have people that will order them on my website because then I inscribe them and mail them out directly. Oh, fantastic. And what's your website? KristenKaufman.com. All right. And I'll put that on a resource page. Any other way that you would like people, if if people are interested in learning more about you or have questions and want to talk to you, maybe they want to hire you. What's the best way for them to do that? You know, you can do all of that on my website, um, KristenKaufman.com. So I'm on all the social media platforms. Um, All of that's on the website. There is a contact form on the website, my phone number and my address. I'm very transparent. It's all on the website. So you can knock on my door and I probably (laughs) open it. (laughs) I'm in Dallas every now and then. So you never know. Oh, gosh, we should go out and have have toddies and dinner. All right. That that sounds fantastic. But I'm definitely going to have you on my podcast because, like I said, I think you're a an incredibly valuable resource to business owners who need to think about alignment, need to think about those random encounters, right? That, that, that can change their life and get out of their phones and get out of whatever it is they're doing, the weeds of their business to see the opportunities in the clouds of their business. So you you have a wonderful message. Uh, Thanks, Brian. And and I'm, I'm so glad that you were on our podcast today. So thank you. Well, I'm delighted to meet you. It's been so much fun. I think we have kindred kindred spirits here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, Kristen Kaufman, uh, leadership consultant, uh, author of the series of books, Is This Seat Taken?, which I highly recommend. You should write a book on alignment and then go back to Is This Seat Taken? Yes. That, (laughs) That would be your fifth book. Okay. And then Legacy, I guess, will be my sixth. Oh, my gosh. You've got me. You've got me. Ugh. Hey, by by the end of next year, I'll have you up to a dozen. Oh, my Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> as long as it's fun. All right. Kristen Kaufman, thank you so much for being our guest. And to our listeners, as always, thank you. Thank you for your comments, your feedback, uh, your support. I, I love all of it. And keep your suggestions and feedback coming because um, I do read every email, every text message. And I obviously, as you know, I answer every phone call. Uh, And we will see you next week on another episode of the Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.